And now, Monumental Sports and Entertainment along with Pressbox presents Stan the Fan's Bat Around. For the next two hours, listen in as Stan the Fan bats around all manner of topics pertaining to the great game of baseball with their great group of guest contributors. Feel free to tweet your questions to Stan at Stan the Fan. Now sit back and enjoy the Bat Around. Stan, take it away. And a very pleasant good morning to each and every one of you on this Saturday morning, the 23rd of uh, November. The bat around is on the air. Sons, uh, Craig Heist. Craig Heist, uh, though, will join us by telephone. In his stead will be none other than uh, producer extraordinaire, co-host extraordinaire, Kyle Ottenheimer. Kyle, how are you this morning? Doing well. Um... Got a nice night of sleep. I uh, gorged myself with steak last night at that one uh, institution downtown that just keeps bringing steak to your table because oh, it was uh, a friend's birthday celebration. For, uh, yeah, yeah. I don't. They don't sponsor us. If they'd like yeah. to, call us. Yeah. But uh, yeah, maybe someday. Um, but You're that's nice. About the South American steak. Uh, yes, right? indeed, indeed. Okay. Um, feeling good. Good. Yeah. Good. Good. Yeah. Good. Good. Good to, good to see you. Always. Uh, hey, Craig Heist is not here. He called me midweek. He got uh, the Caps game, I think, is like at 1230 or something like that. Okay. I, I think that's what it is. A little afternoon. Um, anyway, uh, he said he'd be happy to join us on the phone, and he will do that at about 1020. Uh, a Facebook uh, post has led to my next guest at 1045, former boys Latin star baseball player Brian Kowitz, who for five-plus seasons was in the Atlanta Braves organization, former number uh, eighth-round draft pick of the Braves in 1990, got a cup of coffee in the big leagues with the Atlanta Braves in 1995, and it was all over in 96. He played briefly at AAA for Toronto and Detroit, uh, and then his baseball career was over. Very successful insurance business here in town. Uh, but why am I having him on right at this moment? Last Saturday, a week ago, uh, he was inducted into the Clemson. I mean, he was a big-time prospect. Yeah. Uh, he played uh, center field for uh, the Clemson Tigers uh, in the ACC. He was all ACC a couple of years. Anyway, they inducted him into their Hall of Fame We'll talk to Brian Kowitz, who is really one of the terrific guys around this town. 11.05, our friend Bill Latson from MLB.com. Uh, he's the columnist for MLB.com. He doesn't ask me for this, uh, Kyle, but we'll talk a lot of baseball with uh, Bill Latson. Sure. But I'm also going to talk about the battle he's got going. He's yeah. uh, on dialysis. He needs a kidney. He's very... He's standoffish about like promoting this, sure. almost like uh, selling himself that he needs a kidney. What makes his battle for a kidney all the more difficult is that he has a rare blood type, O negative. Okay, so right. we'll get the word out as much as we can, and I'm embarking upon an attempt to get some of the baseball writers around baseball. Uh, to write about this. Uh, I saw a story, I don't know if you're familiar with it, about the girl who needed a kidney uh, about six, eight years ago, and she held. A, she and her boyfriend held signs up sure. at a Pittsburgh Penguins game, and some Penguins fans saw it on TV. They worked out a deal that the TV camera people would show it. She ended up getting a kidney that way. Um, There's been it, some tremendous things, similar things on Twitter where people will 
have felt as though they've maybe exhausted all their options. And in right. a last-ditch effort, will post, a, you know, obviously a heartfelt, sincere yeah. plea for help about, and then my so my brother, my aunt, my so-and-so needs. Yep. And then thousands and thousands of retweets later, um, at least in the comments, multiple people will say, I'm reaching out, I'm reaching out. And, you know, yeah, it's any, any avenue you can go, you feel like it's something story. you should do. It's too small to show, but you can spread it. Sure. And then... Uh, African American gentleman yep, yep. at uh, I think it was at a Bears game Looks recently. Like it is a Bears game. Yeah, yeah. he posted uh, a sign yeah. that he needed a kidney, and yeah. my wife sent it to me last night because she heard what I was trying to help Bill with. And apparently, these kind of things requ- like requests normally get twenty to thirty inquiries sure this apparently my wife now do i don't know the exact number she said it got like 500 times that so well i mean that's now does it lead de- right. definitely to him getting a kidney no but it beats the chance of doing nothing and it's for what it's worth it's the same blood type as what bill latson is looking for no so he's a you said o positive, o positive. Right? no what bill is, is o negative oh those okay. are the two most rare yeah, okay. kind i got okay. you well I mean, yeah, we'll talk about that and, and more. But yep. baseball, of course. I mean, is the offseason in proper has it's begun. I mean, Yasmani Grandal got $72 million. $73 million. $73 million. Excuse million. me. Let's I don't want to What's a million him. between? Yeah, uh, right? You know. But um, let, me, let me just finish up, and then Timmy Wendell yeah, 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 is yeah. going to join us. Old friend of mine who teaches at Hopkins. He teaches writing at Hopkins. He's written about 10 or 12 books seven or eight on baseball. He's also written a book about his brother's battle, uh, losing battle with leukemia called Cancer's Crossing. But he's on to talk about the audio book, uh, the audio version of Down to the Last Pitch, the story of the 1991 World Series, which some would argue might be the greatest World Series of all time. It was the only time two teams that finished in last place the year before squared off and just the opposite of this year's World Series, Minnesota won all four games at home. Mm-hmm. Atlanta won all four games at the Atlanta Fulton County College. Home field advantage was supposed to matter, apparently. Yes. You know. Yep. Yep. So that's what we've got on the show. Awesome. You uh, teed it up a little bit, though. Uh, the um, the off season has started in earnest with all the teams submitting their forty man rosters in a couple weeks in advance of the Rule Five draft. And it's funny, as soon as the Rule 5 draft hits, like around December 5th or 7th, it's only two months It's only two months till spring training starts. Well, it starts. also used to be Christmas light for Orioles fans. Yes. You were guaranteed to have a new present to unwrap in the form of a new Rule 5 draft pick. And for what it's worth, I have a feeling we probably still will get a new. I, th- I think we will get yeah. at least one and maybe two. I see... In the 39 men that the Orioles have protected right now, I see four or five. Like if you, if you had a chance to get somebody that was really potentially helpful, that I would bump off like a David has sure. Evan Handholder, just a guy that you're yeah. aware of the talent. Yeah, but you might have to take a few lumps to get to the real end result. Yeah. Do you think there's a team out there that's going to change? I mean, look, they might take a chance, but we'll actually be able to hold. Cody Sedlock, who did not get protected on their major league roster for an entire season if he were to be taken in the Rule 5 draft. i got to be honest with you. I, I thought long and hard about that, and I'm sure that Mike Elias and his people thought long and hard about it. The idea that you would take a guy who really had his first 
taste of positive success, yeah. taste of success. That's a good way to put it. He's had some injuries and he's had some just poor performance over his three plus years in the Oriole organization. It might be four years. Um, former first rounder, of course. Former first rounder. But that doesn't mean because a guy is a first rounder. I I read the story by Dan Connolly. It says you know, well te- teams will look at him because he's a first round talent. Well, he hasn't lived up to being a first round talent. Just like DJ Stewart, I still think DJ Stewart Stewart can be a serviceable mm-hmm. major league player. That doesn't make him a first round talent just because he was selected in the first no. round. I think the the fear is at least for me it is could a team Put him into a relief role, right? Stash him away, and look. I think it, his stuff has been widely considered to be pretty good, right? Could he just be a fastball, curveball, or slider combo through a 162 game stretch, and then another team reap the reward? Could, could a team like the Kansas City Royals or other teams that are in the Orioles' shoes, um, Seattle, for sure. example, could they possibly? But it's really hard to imagine. Uh, him sticking a whole year unless that team has its eyes really wide open to what they're up against. The guy that comes to mind that's been a fairly serviceable major leaguer was plucked by the Toronto Blue Jays from San Francisco about four years ago. Joe Biagini has been a serviceable major league pitcher. Um, That's about the ceiling. I don't think it's a an incredible right. loss, to be honest. And I with think you. that ultimately, from what we know about Michael Elias and company, if there was a very good chance Cody Sedlock was going to be projecting to be a major league pitcher, they would have protected him. I think. Yeah, or a meaningful right. major league pitcher. Right. I mean, I think at this point he could be. It's fifty-fifty a... whether he makes it to the big leagues. I think the Orioles can yeah. rest rest easy that Cody Sedlock will not be plucked uh, from from the team. Now, a guy to me. That's a little more scary is Gray Fenner. Uh, and, and did I get the last name correct? I think you did. F E N T E R, I think. Fenter. Yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah. I said Fenner. Fenter. Uh, he kind of came from nowhere. His problems have been more injury yeah. related, uh, but he had a really good year at Delmarva. Again, it's hard to see a team stashing him. The whole season, but remember how creative teams can get. Oh, absolutely, I mean, look at Dan Duquette, how he buried uh, Santander. Santander and, but they ultimately yeah. will still have to have them on the active roster, right? Like you can put them on injured reserve, you can stash them away and prolong the process. But at some point, they're going to have to hold a spot. Um, the, the, they can fish. They can be fishy around it and keep a guy over two years, right? You know, that's what we did with Santander. Sure. Paid off, uh, and it paid off. Yeah. So we will see. But your your other point is the the uh, free agency is seems to be moving a little bit Faster more than last quicker, year, yeah. a lot quicker with some of the the higher end talent. I mean, it was just last year that Grandal had to take a one year contract, right? Yeah, yeah. Will Smith uh, took a one year, I mean, a three year deal with the Atlanta Braves with an option for a fourth and a million dollar buyout, so he's guaranteed forty million for three years. If he, if he stays there the four full years, it'll be $52 million. This is not the, the stud young catcher for the Dodgers. This is no, the relief. This is the left-handed or relief. Or the actor. <laughs> Who, I have to be honest with you. No, it's definitely not the actor. Uh, you know, the one thing about Will Smith that stands out to me, this is not a guy who's been a closer like for four or five right. years. He became a closer the back half of 2018. He had 14 saves. And last year for the San Francisco Giants, 
He had 34 saves, 2760 RA, 102 whip. Um, And let's face it, the Giants last year were not going to be very good. Uh, They didn't get out of the gate very well. With the Braves, there is that one little turn of the screw in that they're expected to be good, which means he will have pressure on him from day one. I think that there's... He seems likely to be the kind of guy that peripherals have sort of pushed into the role of closer because he's consistently pitched well enough where, by nature of attrition, if a closer goes down, he's going to be the next in line. Now, would he be a guy that the Cubs, Yankees, or insert top team with a really high payroll here would enter a season as their closer? Right. Probably not. He's probably more of like a setup Mm -hmm. guy to get to that final, like Chapman of of types. but. He's proven, I think, that he's more than serviceable in that role. And if you're a team like the Braves, who has just been bled dry, essentially, from that role, you would hope for anything consistent. Now, here's the here's the one, and I apologize, folks out there. By the way, uh, if you are watching on Facebook uh, Live, please like and share the program. I will get out during the first commercial break to <laughs> like and share the show. Um, Stan the Fan the Idiot Man uh, forgot his laptop once again. I drive out. Would you like me to Google a name? I'm like in La La Land. No, I was just talking about Chris Martin. Um, Chris Martin just signed with the Atlanta Braves. Now, they acquired him from the Texas Rangers. and This is not the lead singer. Not the lead singer, no. Not that that Chris Martin. This is a right-handed relief pitcher that they gave up a lefty prospect, Colby K-O-L-B-Y Allard, okay. who's going to be a nice, really nice starting pitcher, like a, a two-and-a-half to three sure. on a five-man rotation. He's pretty good, uh, young pitcher, and he was a former, I think he was a former number one pick. Anyway, they get Chris Martin, who does have a 98, 99-mile-an-hour fastball, but he has been, if you look up fringe player sure. in the dictionary, Chris Martin has been that guy. Quad he A just got. He just got a two-year, $14 million deal from the Atlanta Braves. And Mel Antonin and I on Wednesday night's show, we were both scratching our heads and wondering if the Braves were trying to say, you know, he might have been worth two years at $8 million, but did they say, you know what, we got to save face here. We can't take any chance of losing this guy because we gave up sure. Colby Allard for him. Otherwise, I don't see where this guy warranted a two-year, $14 million contract. It's bizarre. Um, He's 31 years old already. Look, I, in today's day and age, and, and pitchers especially, right, like the driveline baseball academy and the way that people will increase speed rate or try and actively hone in mm-hmm. on a pitch and make it better. Right. Is it possible he's discovered something that they really are investing in now could they have gotten it for cheaper still maybe yeah but um that's the only i think possible saving grace for what appears to be another one if you google him and just tell me do you does that look like a 14 million dollar pitcher i don't know a lot of people will get cold play for only six hundred thousand dollars um no, a $14 million pitcher. I mean, well, once upon a time, the Orioles gave Mike Gonzalez. You'd have close to look to at his. Million. Oh, there you go. You're looking at his numbers. Um, now, does that read like a $7 million a year pitcher to you? Last year for Texas, in 38 games, he had a 3.08 ERA. Right. Uh, I, I picked him up on my fantasy team. 10 plus strikeouts per nine, right. only fewer than one walks per nine. Okay. A whip. Around 1.0 something. Right. Um, look, and then how did he do with Atlanta? 
With Atlanta, he pitched 20 games, 4.08 ERA. Right. Uh, but his fielding independent pitching was 1.63. Um, the peripherals there, it looks like it could have been some bad luck. His whip was even better with Atlanta than it was okay. with. Um, well, they like him to the tune of $14 million. Okay. Uh, look, their bullpen needs all the help it can get. Yeah. I. I uh, from from how talented that team was from the starting nine and then the pitching rotation, for them to fall short, that was the failures in the bullpen. Yeah. I, I thought it was also failures in the starting rotation. I, I, I didn't Soroka, think that projecting really, moving forward, you like it, but I guess they weren't ready yeah, yet. they weren't ready yeah. for the big time. They were in deep water a little bit yeah. against uh, the better yeah. teams. You know, I mean, look, they lost to the St. Louis Cardinals, and the Cardinals' offense was really not – very good. Yep. I mean, experience goes a long way in yeah. figuring out how to win playoff series. All right. Anyway, the uh, Jim Bowden, uh, of formerly general manager sure. of Cincinnati Reds and the uh, Washington Nationals, MLB Network he, wrote, Radio. he wrote a really nice piece, uh, I think, that I would urge folks to look at. He does quick comparisons of two, five sets of two players okay. in free agency. Nicholas Castellanos. Hell of a hitter. And Marcelo Suna. Both. Uh, Rayu, the left-handed pitcher from the Dodgers, who's a free agent. Zach Wheeler. Then he takes two little bit older pitchers. Cole, ha- although Rayu is 32, sure, but, but he, he's um, more of a he's more of a crafty pitcher than he is an overpowering yep, one. Yep. Cole Hamels and Dallas Keuchel. He compares them, and then um, Edwin Encarnacion and Mike Mustakas. Encarnacion, the oldest of the players he, mm-hmm. he uh, profiles, 36 years of age to Mustakas, 31 years of age. And then the uh, really interesting comparison is Yasiel Puig and Avisel Garcia, two players at one time, sure. were much more highly thought of prospects. And Garcia has been both but, last year at yeah. tremendous seasons. But they're both uh, 28 years of age. Garcia had a war last year, 1.8. Puig had a war 1.2, but it's an interesting article. Um, those I five mean, those are all sets. very names that could absolutely help teams. Um, I mean, Castellanos, it's, it's amazing that the Cubs would ever let him get away the way he finished the season with them after they acquired him. Right. Um, I kind of still think he'll end up back there because they have money and they mm. they saw the impact. I don't know. Uh, Ricketts has really seemed to, to turn off the. Uh, the the faucets, uh, the faucets yeah. money. and I'll tell you what when you make a when you make a signing like the Craig Kimbrell you know I'm sure Theo knows that Ricketts is not fond of spending money that's going to be wasted mm-hmm. and it was only because Zobrist was in that odd situation last year suffering from yeah. sort of a nervous but I won't call it a nervous breakdown but he had a divorce going on and it affected him uh, so because he was on like sort of a leave. They didn't have to pay him. They were able to sign Craig Kimbrell, but they gave Kimbrell forty-five million dollars for three years. Yeah. I'm not so sure they've got. He's got the juice now. Cole Hamels is leaving, and that was twenty-plus million dollars. Look, I mean, they're they've their their dynasty certainly fell short. Yeah. Um. There's no doubt about that. Uh, Castellanos is going to get paid handsomely wherever he ends up. Yep. He's not a butcher of a fielder either. He can play a decent third base, and he can certainly play a serviceable or better than serviceable outfield, left right. field. Um, I mean, that's those are a lot of interesting names out on that list. Ryu will, will get more than – he probably will get more than $100 million, I would think. I don't think he's going to come in at the age he's at, 32, and with the history of injuries. I, I think he's a three- or four-year higher per annum – 
but a but a three or four year term. I don't think he's million. getting. I think he's 66, 66 to seventy million. I wouldn't be surprised uh, if one team steps forward and says, "We like you. We'll give you yeah. four. Um, I think might... the Yankees could be that team. I'll tell you who else could be that team. If if the Nationals and do I think it's going to play out this way? Uh, I don't think the Strasburg thing will linger indefinitely. But, boy, if suddenly they look like they're not going to easily sign Strasburg, maybe they take a turn at looking at that uh, young gentleman. Hey, wanted to tell you about a couple sponsors here on the show. And um, wanted to tell you about the fact that there are lots of great events coming up, Live Casino's uh, Event Center at Live Casino Hotel during the rest of 2019, including – Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Michael Bolton on Saturday, November 30th. That's a week from this Saturday. Doors open at 8.30 p.m. Tickets start at $45.50. Get your tickets now by going to livecasinohotel.com. And I know we have Craig Heiss waiting for us, but I did want to get one more thing in, and that is that the Battle Round is presented by Mobile One. Mobile One full synthetic motor oil helps extend engine life. Visit your local Jiffy Lube service center and ask for Mobile One. And we remind you that we are broadcasting from the live Casino Hotel studios. And joining us now is a man who often is sitting across from me, Craig Heiss. Craig, how are you? I'm well, Stan. How are you? I'm doing super. Where are you right now? Are you down at the uh, X? I am in. I am in the press box, high above the ice rink here at Capital One Arena. That's right. And you've got a game between what the Canucks and the Caps? Canucks and Caps, twelve thirty. Yes, face off, and uh, a little odd that uh, the Capitals would have a Saturday afternoon matinee, but that's the case today. And uh, I believe this was uh, rescheduled sometime earlier, and I never caught it, which is. Why I'm not in there with you That's and why right. I'm down here. <laughs> That's all right. You're in a better place and making more money. Uh, tell me about, was this supposed to originally be a night game or just more like a 2 o'clock start? I, no, I think it was originally a night game unless I misread the schedule in some way, shape, or form early on. Right. When I was, uh, when I was uh, filling out the calendar. and uh, But uh, here we are. And, you know, for the Capitals, they'll try to, I mean, they've played so well here in the first part of the season. And uh, they had a little hiccup in uh, New York the other night at the Garden. They lost 4-1, to one and uh, uh, they'll try to bounce back this afternoon. But they had a stretch, Dan, where they had gained, uh, they had, you know, come up with points in at least 13 straight games. So they're, they're playing pretty well. Hey, we don't often talk about uh, the, what's involved with, with your job in terms of the setting of the schedule, but it just hit me. You must, when do these calendars, the the schedules for the Caps and the Wizards and the Terps start to to become firm where you have to go to your calendar and say, hey, I'm definitely out for that. I've got a, I'm definitely doing that. I'm definitely doing that. It does seem, uh, I'm not trying to pull violins, violins out for you, but it's a little <laughs> bit of, it's a little bit of a complicated uh, set, isn't it? Well, you know, I was, I was teasing my friend Rick who runs the, uh, uh, the media lounge and uh, does all the media things for the press box up here. I, I said, after last night's Wizards game, I looked at him and I was walking up the hall. I said, you know, I should have just slept here last night. <laughs> but yeah, it, it can get a little, it can get a little hectic, and uh, we just, uh, you know, and, and again, I don't have to be there because I have another person covering it for me today. But 
you know, we have Maryland and Nebraska down at uh, College Park, uh, football-wise, at 3.30 this afternoon. So uh, that would certainly be in play if I didn't have anybody else to get. You know, to at least get there by halftime, that would be in play if I didn't have somebody over there. And those things are in play. Like Maryland-Nebraska is a fairly significant game in terms of coverage, whether it's a big game in terms of the records of the two teams, correct? Right, yeah, it can be. And, uh, you know, the conference that they play in the Big Ten, that certainly is a an issue. Uh, but, uh, you know, I... I you pick and choose your battles, and in this case, this battle won out. <laughs> right. <laughs> anyway, uh, that that doesn't look like it's going to be a great one today, but you're certainly uh, in the perch and going to see a really good hockey game. Uh, Craig, going to see a real good hockey game, and I will also be keeping my eye on the Ohio State-Penn State game. <laughs> yes, I know that. I know that. Uh, that game is being played in Happy Valley? No, it's it's, it's, it's at the Columbus. horseshoe in Columbus, it's and it's a twelve noon start. You know what the spread in in that game is? Is that a five six point game? I don't think so. I heard that. Uh, I may be wrong on this without having looked at it, but somebody right. told me last night, or I had read online that it was a three score uh, spread. Now, whether that means three touchdowns or you right, know, right. Okay, that sounds like it might be a plus 10 or something like that. Yeah, for something like that, yeah. All right. Now, you got to cover James Franklin a little bit when he was assistant in Maryland. Does it surprise yeah. you how, how successful he's been? Doesn't surprise me. And if you got to remember, though, success at that place yeah. has a little bit different meaning than success at somewhere else. Uh, uh, and and with with what he's brought to that program, I kind of think that he was probably the right guy at the right time with everything that was going on up there. Yep. I thought he be I thought he became a healer uh, for a lot of the students and the and the fans of that program. Uh, you have some diehards, and and I hear from them all the time that say that you know they they obviously had the the punishment cut in half basically mm-hmm. uh, by the NCAA, which a lot of people don't think was fair. Uh, and and but but I think he was the right guy at the right time. Now the other point to that being made is that you will have Penn State diehards uh, tell you, well, you know, he's not succeeded really in getting Penn State to that uh, spot in the Big Ten that uh, they expect to be in. Uh, and, and let's face it, you're in the same. You know, their problem is is the same as Maryland's, only from a competition standpoint, right. in that. They're in that same division with Ohio State and Michigan. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty. Uh, that's, that's pretty tough company to be, that's be up. Pretty in. formidable, no yeah. doubt about it. All right, let's move to the the great game of baseball, which we cover on this show each and every week. And we're talking to Craig Heist, and we're broadcasting from the Live Casino Hotel Studios. Craig is at the. Uh, um, God, I forgot that. Capital name. One. Capital One uh, Center down in Washington D.C. Getting ready to watch the. Uh, the Washington Capitals host the Vancouver Canucks. Um, that's my nephew Josh's favorite team right now, the Canucks. He's living right. He's living out in Vancouver for a good chunk of the uh, winter this year. Uh, doing well, the they, they, they're 11, they're 11, 8, and 4 coming into this. They've got 26 points, Capitals 36, and uh, I believe it's still the best mark in the NHL. They have to take a look again. All right. World Series is in the rearview mirror. It's still got a lot of warm and fuzzy feelings down in the Capitol, Craig. Uh, but the cold, hard reality 
has hit Mike Rizzo and uh, and the organization that they've got some tough work ahead to um, remain as competitive as they were last year, ultimately winning out. But uh, the first uh, couple orders of business are uh, Steven Strasburg and Anthony Rendon. What's your gut telling you, or what are you, uh, from people you're talking to, how do you think these two situations are going to play out? Well, my gut is that Anthony is going to do everything he can to test whatever free agent market is out there, along with his agent, Scott Burroughs. I think with Steven Strasburg, uh, that might get done here in D.C. maybe quicker than a lot of people think. Mm-hmm. And I know we're not too far away from the winter meetings, but there was some speculation uh, that Strasburg could be wrapped up with the Nationals mm-hmm. by, the time, by the time those winter meetings begin. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see what happens. I just, you know, everybody wants to compare this Anthony Rendon situation to what they went through with Bryce Harper last year. And while there's similarities in, in, in terms of maybe years and money, uh, the two individuals couldn't be any more different right. uh, in terms of Rendon. And I've, I've even heard speculation that Rendon could, could maybe take a, a shortened year with more money. In other words, say five for 40, mm-hmm. uh, and, and, and go from there because I mean, Anthony has often stated, first of all, uh, he, he's, he's come out and he's also, uh, he's also stated that he'd rather be known as a good Christian than a good baseball player. That's uh-huh. the first thing. Number, number kind, two, kind of like, like you. Well, yeah, I'd rather be a good Christian than a good broadcaster. <laughs> Some would say I haven't met either one of them. <laughs> I'd rather but, be a wealthy hey, Jew, but I'm not. Well, well, there you go, exactly. But, you know, so, it all depends on what you want in life, Stan, right. I guess. That's right, that's right. No, but, uh, you know, I just think personality-wise, he's so much different than, than Rendon, I mean, than uh, Harper was. And, and I think from that standpoint, I think if Anthony gets the kind of deal he wants and if the Nationals are the ones that offer it to him, uh, I think he could be a Washington National. I'm not sold on this idea that, well, they've lost him altogether and he's going to go somewhere else. Craig, we're going to have your friend Bill Ladson on later today, and knowing he's a Yankees fan, I'll pose this to him as well. But if you were a Vegas odd setter and you had to set the over-under for the total dollars the Yankees will spend this offseason on starting pitching, what would you put it at? Well, I don't know what the dollar figure would be, but that's the first thing they need to address in my mind anyway. Uh, we, we saw, no, no, no matter how that lineup shakes down, Kyle, uh, for Aaron Boone, I just think that their starting pitching was one of the reasons why they didn't get as far in the postseason mm-hmm. uh, as they wanted to. And, you know, CC's now done. Uh, you, you know, you got you got things you have to rebuild with that rotation, and you know, and, and I'm talking about going seven, seven or eight deep because you know when the season starts, you know what you start the season with isn't what you're going to wind up with as the season goes along because of injuries and things of that nature. So yeah, I would I would expect the the Yankees to spend a good amount of money on starting pitching. Would you be surprised if Garrett Cole's not wearing a Yankees uniform next year? I would be surprised if he's not. Yes, because I I think that uh, that's one of the that's one of the uh, things on Brian Cashman's wish list. You know, it's uh, one of the interesting things about it. I have felt uh, 
all along that he's going to end up in L.A., but not with the team everybody is focused on. I think with the Dodgers not re-signing Rayu, I think they'll let Rich Hill go. That frees up close to $30 million, over $30 million, uh, which is probably two-thirds or 70% of what it's going to take to get Cole for a year. I think the Dodgers are really in play for him. But I wanted to ask you both, and Kyle, you and I didn't talk about it in the open of the show. It's a fascinating story to watch with the Yankees and Jacoby Ellsbury. Not only have they released him, you know, they're not uh, going right. to have him. They are They're taking the yeah. stance that they're going to withhold his $26 million salary this se- this coming season because he he uh, broke he used an outside medical he used outside right. medical without consulting with the team now i don't see how they're going to save all of that money but they may be trying to save 6 or 8 million of it by making a case the you know by threatening to go after all of it and not have to pay anything uh, do you have any thoughts on that deal, Craig? Well, the only thought I have is, you know, the players union is going to get involved of in that. Course. I yeah. think, yeah. you know, yeah. <laughs> so so I agree with you on that. I don't think they're going to be able to to to, to pocket all that money. Uh, but you know what? It's interesting. You, you mentioned the Dodgers, in, in in so far as Cole was concerned. When we go back to talking about Anthony Rendon and one of the places he may land, I think he's going to end up there too. I think he's going to. Well, you know, it's certainly a possibility because Turner has already said uh, that he would move to second base if if they could sign Anthony Rendon. Right. Yeah, I I think. So again, it all depends on the negotiations and Scott Burris, and you know, if Anthony would feel good uh, playing out in L.A. We're talking with Craig Heist and Craig. uh, Nearly, not nearly as big as the loss, potential loss of a Strasburg or a um, Rendon. There's a couple other players uh, that the Nationals have to uh, re- probably replace. One of them will probably be catcher Jan Gomes, who's a free agent, and also first baseman, second baseman, D.H. Uh, Howie Kendrick. Yeah, and uh, again, uh, I know how he likes it here. Uh, it, I think it would behoove the Nationals to maybe look at that. The only problem is if, if Howie wants to play full-time, but I think he's stated in the past he knows he's not a full-time player anymore uh, just because of the injury issues that he's had over the course of the past three years. So if, if the Nationals want to bring him back and have him have the same kind of role with this team that he's had in the past, I, I certainly think that he would welcome that. Uh, the only, the only part to that though is, you know, what's the money going to be like uh, for a part-time player uh, who can also be used as a DH when they play in American League parks, uh, but a guy that you figure can only play probably, you know, ninety to hundred games if you're going to keep him healthy all year. One other player, Craig, that uh, is technically is a free, he's a free agent because the Nats did not. Uh, Op, you know, pick up his option, which I think was for seventeen or eighteen million dollars. Is longtime national. He's only played for one team, and that's Ryan Zimmerman. Uh, there's a deal to be done there. Do you have a sense of what it'll cost? Is it a four four million plus incentives? Is it a five? I, million? I would think I would think it's somewhere in the vicinity, Sam, of like two years and maybe ten million dollars. Okay. Uh, I, I think that's maybe what it would take. 
I don't think, and I really even think that Ryan would go year to year if that's no. the case. No. Uh, uh, but but if you gave him a year with the option again, mm-hmm. uh, I think he'd be certainly welcome to that. I don't think there's any question in my mind that Ryan Zimmerman is going to be back with his ball club next year. Yeah, I don't uh, I don't see much question about it. The other area that uh, it seems like yearly Mike Rizzo is trying to patch together is that bullpen. I know they've got yeah. Sh- I know they've got Sean Doolittle back for another season. They'll have uh, Rowena Celius, who I think can be a big help to this bullpen. Uh, do you think it's going to be easy to retain Daniel Hudson? It might not be that easy to retain him, but I certainly think they need him. And I certainly think with everything that Huddy's been through uh, in his career in terms of you know injury too, and, and, and to, to find a place uh, that he wound up being in last year, uh, that's a pretty pretty comfortable spot, and he was able to contribute coming down the stretch, which was a big, big deal for him. I know he talked about it a lot, especially when they were going through this playoff run. And I remember doing an on-field interview with him uh, during the regular season, and I, you know, and I said you know, when he when he saved a game when Doolittle was uh, was was going through his injury problems, and I said to him, I said. Uh, I said, what about this closers role? He said, look, he says, it's not about, not about me and whatever role it is. It's just about me helping this team, and I'll do whatever Mike Rizzo wants me to do while I'm here. So I think he kind of found a comfort spot with this team, and especially the way they were able to use him uh, down the stretch. And, you know, if, if there's a way to have Doolittle and Hudson on this team again next year, you, I, I think you certainly do it if you're Mike Rizzo. All right. Not that I need your talent to do this, but I think it'll be so embarrassing for you to be up in the press box and help me do a live read for the Costas Inn uh, before we let you go. <laughs> I mean, I can just see all the guys around you now. What is he doing? So what are no, some... Well, actually, actually, I'm sitting up here all by myself. Okay. <laughs> all right. Less, less embarrassment. But speaking of embarrassment, the other night I'm at a, um, a fundraiser for uh, Councilman Leon Pinkett in Baltimore City, who's running for uh, um, the, uh, what's it called, president of the city council. And a guy comes up to me, his name, and I recognize his face because he used to be in our building here uh, at Clipper Mill. Uh, His name is Don Streeler. And he says, by the way, he goes, I was a college roommate of Nick Triantophilos. I I know where all the bodies are buried. There you go. We, yeah. we, we got him now. Yeah, we got boy. him now, Stan. We, we got him. We got him. I will tell you this. He did chuckle when I told him about what we started to do a couple months ago with one of the great reasons to go to the Costas Inn is just sit there and watch Nick Tree and Watch Nick work. Yeah, absolutely. And, and wonder what it is he does. <laughs> exactly. But anyway, I'll tell you what. Yeah. If you, if you want the best steamed crabs, the best crab cakes, and anything else on that menu, get out to 4100 North Point Boulevard. It is the Costas Inn, a Baltimore tradition since 1971. Nick Triantopoulos, Pete Triantopoulos, they'll take care of you. Great specials on the menu each and every day of the week. Monday night's crab cake night. Tuesday night is rib night. Wednesday night, and I was there this Wednesday night, mm-hmm. lobster uh, steak night. And half-price bottles of wine. Thursday, there's lobster, and uh, you can get that either stuffed or plain. Great other dishes on the menu, specials throughout the week. The prime rib is to die for. Uh, I suggest you 
get out to 4100 North Point Boulevard, visit the Costas Inn, because Nick and Pete treat you right. And there's no question, if you're interested in getting out there to have crabs, though, please call ahead, 410-477-1975. You need to reserve your crabs. You can't just walk in. You may walk in and get them. Who who can? Who can? Well, you can. I know you can. They'll find them for you. Uh, But anyway, the cost is in. Uh, Craig, thanks for uh, uh, sitting in with us for a little while today. Enjoy the uh, Caps and Canucks game out there at uh, uh, the the stadium down there. All right? Yeah, yeah, all right, Stan. Take care. All right. Bye-bye. Hey, Ken Zalas is back, and he's fulfilling all your fantasies. Well, your football fantasies anyway. The Press Box Fantasy Football Show is every Thursday at 11.30 a.m. KZ helps you set your lineup for all your fantasy matchups. Watch at Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports. Listen at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio. It's all brought to you by Wise Markets and Glory Days Grill. Join us for the PressBox Fantasy Football Show every Thursday morning at 11.30 a.m. The latest edition of PressBox is available now on the cover Greg Swatek dives into the 100th edition of the Bal- of a Baltimore tradition, the annual Turkey Bowl game between Loyola and Calvert Hall. Plus, Bo Smolka profiles Ravens linebacker Josh Bynes, who returned midway through the year after being entirely out of football and immediately helped fortify their defense. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. You can also find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Brian Kowitz up next, right after these commercial messages. Respect. It's more than a word. In the U.S. Army, it is one of our core values, earned through selfless service to our nation and making a difference both at home and abroad. On the Army team, respect is earned daily. And now, in addition to earning respect, you may earn up to $40,000 in bonuses if you qualify. To learn more, visit GoArmy.com bonus or call 1-800-USA-ARMY. Paid for by the U.S. Army. Baltimore's favorite bar is just 771 feet from home plate. Sliders Bar and Grill, just steps from Camden Yards, is the perfect sports bar for Ravens and Caps season with all of the games on dozens of TVs. Daily specials include Mexican Monday, Wing Ding Wednesday, Bloody Brunch Sunday, and more with different drink specials every day of the week. Join Sliders for the away Ravens games as well as the home game parties featuring Fancy Clancy Pilsner as well as game day food and drink specials. Find out about all of the parties and specials at slidersbaltimore.com sliders one of baltimore's original continuously operating bars royal farms is known for being real fresh and real fast but we're also real baltimore that's because baltimore is our home base and our home like purple and black flamingos and sunglasses or crabs and old bay our subs are real baltimore right down to the name we make them fresh, delicious, and to your order all day, every day, at a price that's easy to swallow. Royal Farm subs are another reason why Royal Farms is real fresh, real fast, real Baltimore. 
Want to know what's going on in high school football this season throughout the state of Maryland? Tune in to the Press Box High School Football Show with Booker Corrigan and legendary former McDonough coach Dom D'Amico. The guys will discuss everything happening at the private and public school levels, players and teams to watch, upcoming games, and so much more. Every Monday at 12.30 p.m., watch the show at facebook.com slash pressboxsports. Listen at pressboxonline.com slash radio for the Press Box High School Football Show. Check out Costa in at 4100 North Point Boulevard. They're known far and wide for their great steamed crabs and crab cakes. And their nightly specials also include crab cake night on Monday, rib night on Tuesday, steak night on Wednesdays with a half-priced bottle of wine, and lobster night on Thursdays. Check out costazen.com to find out more. And the delicious crab cakes are shipped anywhere. Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square offers a better way to tailgate with football and nuggets. You can now pick up a 30-count Chick-fil-A nugget in a football-shaped container and if it would be helpful, Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square can half-cook it, leaving you the opportunity to heat it the rest of the way just in time for your party. And now Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square offers their three-cheese mac and cheese. Cheddar, Parmesan, and Romano combine in this classic side, baked fresh in the restaurant. Download the Chick-fil-A app, place your order, and pile up Chick-fil-A bonus points good for free food. Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square, 5198 Campbell Boulevard. Call Steve if you'd like your party catered by Chick-fil-A, 410 410- 931-0031, Chick-fil-A, Nottingham Square. This is former Terp AJ Francis just here to let you know that I am a huge wrestling fan. I know you are too. And there's a lot of stupid idiots out there that ruin the wrestling podcast experience for everyone else. Hey, Aaron Oster from the Baltimore Sun and Rolling Stone. I don't understand why people would ever cheer for Roman Reigns. He's awful. I'm sick of it. Boo! Boo Roman Reigns! Never wrestled for Ring of Honor. Never wrestled for PWG. Never wrestled Uh, in Japan. He is no Kenny Omega. Too sweet me, bro. I hate both of you. And this is why I keep stupid idiots like you on my list. This is your boy Y2AJ here to save you. Find Jobbing Out, the podcast tab at PressBoxOnline.com on SoundCloud or iTunes. And we are back on the bat around on this Saturday afternoon, uh, Saturday morning, excuse me. Uh, Craig Heist finished up. Uh, Bill Latson coming up at 11.05, and then Timmy Wendell at about 11.25. And we'll also get a quick peek into the uh, Johns Hopkins-Stevenson game uh, that Glenn Clark is going to be calling out at Stevenson Mustang Stadium. Joining us now, though, is somebody who was at a football stadium last Saturday in the ACC, and that is former Clemson great, former Atlanta Brave prospect, Brian Kowitz. Brian, how are you, my friend? Hi, Stan. Good. How you doing? Uh, great. Great to have you on. I'm doing fine. Uh, read the story on Facebook, I think, Tuesday, and I said, boy, i got to reach out to Brian. It's been a while since we talked to congratulate you. You were named, I'm guessing it's called the Clemson Athletic Hall of Fame? Yes, I was. Thank you very much. Yeah, it was a great honor. It was, uh, you know, something you don't set out to do when you're uh, trying to make a team and yep. just kind of add value to a team. And, uh Things just kind of came together, and uh, here, there I was uh, at the ceremony and on the field, and it was a lot of fun. How many people uh, were in the stadium? Just about 80,000. That's about <laughs> it, right. A lot more, probably as many that saw you play play baseball the entire time you were there. Right, exactly. It's unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, there were so many, uh, so many people. Now, you were a standout player at Boys Latin, 
uh, Clemson came along. How many other big-time programs were interested in Brian Kowitz to play baseball for them? I would say a dozen or so. Right. Uh, you know, UVA and you know Arkansas and a couple of Florida schools and a couple of Carolina schools and um, Hopkins and Brown and but it was, so so there was a bunch of bunch of uh, interest and um, but I went to visit Clemson and I fell in love with it and and uh, just the people and the facilities and the opportunity and um, so it, it just was uh, felt like a good fit for me and I, and I felt like I was going to challenge myself by going there and yep. I you know I I wasn't sure you know if it was going to work or not just because you know you're playing at the highest level there it's one of the you know best schools in the country, um, even at that time, you know, we were, you know, always in the top 10 or 15 and, um, but it was a, it was a challenge that I wanted to accept and see if I could do it. And, um, just kept working really, really hard and kind of just had my head down and grinded it out the whole way through. And, uh, I think that's the only way to do it. Kind of just, you know, focus where you are and try to try to just excel, you know, whether, whether the saying is try to be great where your feet are. Yeah. Who was your Who was your coach that reached out to you and recruited you there? So they had an assistant coach um, and a recruiter named Dave Littlefield. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dave uh, came to see me play at Rude Hill Park mm-hmm. against the Elite Giants. When wow. yeah, so that was, and, and Elite Elite Giants had a really really good team, some really really strong players. Um, uh, Ernie Brown was a pitcher there that was was really really talented and I ended up playing in the Red Sox organization. Um, Chloe was on that team for a big left-handed hitting first baseman. And uh, they had some real, real strong players. And I had a really good game that day. They were coming out to see Kenny Burkham who went to Pikesville. Right. And, um, and cause he was uh, going to, he was a year older than me and he was going to go there the next year and pitch for him. And I was, um, and I, you know, I had a pretty good game and he, uh, he, he made me an offer to come there, and um, I remember a couple weeks later uh, signing uh, at Boys Latin in the parking lot on the hood of my dad's car. Right, uh, letter of intent to go to Clemson, and um, yeah, Dave ended up becoming the GM for the um, Pirates for about seven years. Yeah, now he is—he's the pre- uh, director, president of uh, player development for the Tigers. Interesting, interesting. Had have you ever looked back that that decision was the wrong one, or from day one you knew it was right and it felt right? And what happened last Saturday was sort of the icing on the cake. I I never never wavered. Um, once I once I was in, I was in, and I I, I loved every minute of it. Um, it was it was for me the perfect fit. It was a great balance between athletics, academics, and um, you know, just the social life and uh, just the whole, the whole entire, you know, the spirit of the school. Um, it, it, it never had a doubt. Loved every minute of it. Loved going back. Loved the people there. It's a first class operation. And, um, you know, the, the, I don't know anybody that has gone there that has had a bad experience. Now, was that back during the time period? Was the football coach Dan Ford then? He was, yeah. And it was, yep. did he win a championship, national championship, while you he, were there? He won, no, he, so I, I was there, uh, 88, 89, and 90. Right. Uh, he won his championship in 81. Okay. Wow, it was that far back. Okay. I yeah. remember he won yep. a national championship. Yep. We're talking yeah. with Brian Kowitz, 
a former boys Latin star baseball player, and now recently inducted into the Clemson Athletic Hall of Fame last weekend. He spent down there. Was your family with you, your entire family? Yeah, my whole family. My three kids were there. My parents were there. And my brother was there. That's and, great. Um, several, several uh, friends. I had a lot of uh, several friends came down as well. And then some old teammates were there as well. I mean, every, so yeah, it was a lot of good support. You know, two tables worth of people. <laughs> it, was now, fun. it was fun. Now, you and I aren't best friends, but we were acquaintances, more than passing acquaintances. But you were telling me that your son, Corey, is a freshman at NC State right now. And yes. he's he's not on their baseball team, but he's on the club team, but with some aspirations now. Could you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, sure, sure. Well, so Corey, Corey played uh, at McDonough, and he's a, he's a late bloomer, so... Uh, his his senior year, he really had a strong season, and uh, they made it to the playoffs for the first time in I don't know maybe ten years, and um, won their first playoff game in probably fifteen, eighteen years I think. And he was a big part of that team. Was the second leading hitter on the team. He was tied for first in extra base hits, and then he just started getting bigger and stronger. And he's now fast forward. He's the starting shortstop for the NC State club baseball team, which was a Tough team to make in its own right, uh-huh. and uh, yeah, he's been talking to the baseball coach, and um, he is trying out for the uh, for the real team. And you know, he's going to give him, give it a try because he doesn't want to have any regrets. He wants to at least say he tried. And if he does, if he if he makes it, he makes it. If he doesn't, then he know he tried, and, and yeah. he did everything he could. As he worked really hard. Yeah, I'm 67. I'm still hoping I'm a late bloomer. <laughs> right, exactly. Me too. Uh, I, what, posi- also, what, what position does Corey play? So he's a, he's mainly a middle infielder. Uh huh. And um, he can play a little, you know, play third. He can play a little of the outfield, but he's he plays shortstop for the club team now. All right. And your daughter, and I apologize, I don't know your kids' names. She is Mc- Mackenzie. Mackenzie. She's playing lacrosse this morning, correct? She, yeah, she is. We're down in Florida for a big prospect tournament. She's a junior at Roland Park. Okay. She is. Um, she she's got her club team TLC down here in Florida. That and you know, she's got uh, four games to play. And uh, we're in like the Wellington, West Palm Beach area. And there's about 150 college coaches here to watch these girls play. There's like 400 teams. It's wow, actually a madhouse around here. <laughs> that's a, that's exciting stuff. That's exciting stuff. Does she know my friend Charlie Levine's daughter, who's going to Hopkins? Yes. Oh, she knows. Yeah, very, very yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a, a great. Uh, so, uh, she got some real interest in her then at this yeah, point. Yeah, Cameron. Cameron. Yep. All right. Yeah, yeah. She's a she's a great player. All right, uh, Brian. Before we let you go, uh, you you put your heart and soul into playing baseball, and you were an eighth round draft pick by the Atlanta Braves, and you played at times uh, some pretty high level baseball in the minor leagues. And you got just the one cup of coffee in 95, 10 games in the major leagues. And then, like a year later, it was kind of all over for you. How disappointing was that when you put so much into it? Or is it the type of thing, and I'll let you answer the question, that you tried your best and you're, you're okay with the results the way it played out? That's a great, that's a great question. Um, you know, I, I've always had fairly, I've, I've always had fairly good balance in my life. So, 
um, you know, I, I knew, you know, you know, baseball is, is there and it's going to be there for a little while. And then, you know, you're going to have to ultimately do something else because most people do, you know, you know, even though I made it, it doesn't mean I don't have, you know, another 70 years to live, you know, so, yeah. or, or 60 years to live. So the, the, the question is, you know, is interesting because in 96, I think if I didn't get hurt in 96, when I was with the Blue Jays, um, you know, the reason I stopped playing was um, I had an, a pretty severe ankle injury, a torn labrum in my left shoulder, and I had two uh, um, elbow surgeries. So I did not know that. Okay. I, don't, I don't think people really realize that um, I actually, in 1997, I had offers to go to camp by the Expos, uh-huh. the Yankees, and the Braves in 97, and I turned that down because... I just didn't think I was healthy enough to move forward anymore. So I didn't think I could, I could, I couldn't, I mean, I lost a step or two. Um, my arm was, was every time I threw the ball, I felt like I was getting shot, you know. So that's a um, lot, that's a lot different than just sort of saying, I, I'm not good enough. You, you, you sort of came to terms with it because your body didn't allow you to, to move forward. Oh yeah. Because I don't know if you remember, but in 2000, I, I, I was convinced to come back by um, Billy Ripken and uh, and uh, Adam Gladstone, who was uh, part of the Aberdeen Ironbirds yep. in the Atlantic League at the time. And um, I came back and played. Uh, I came back and played for them for uh, I don't know, about a month and a half. And and I and I, you know, I I hit well. Uh-huh. Know, I hit well. I hit about four thirty for them when I played, but. I, I mean, Stan, I could not, I just couldn't move. You yeah. know, I, could, I had to play first base. My, my ankle was just, you know, really, really, really hurting a lot. And um, so I contemplated coming back there just because, you know, I was hitting, but I just, you know, I, yep. my body was kind of wearing down at that time. So yeah. I just had to make a decision to, to move on with my life and, you know, start the next phase of, you know, my world in business. And you're, you're in the insurance business and doing very well. Yeah, I have an insurance agency in Green Spring Station, and you know we're doing uh, we're doing well. It's uh, it's been a it's it's been great. I'm I'm very happy with the way things are going there, and you know work hard, and um, you know things are going well. Did the did the sp- overall sports experience teach you some things that you take with you today, Brian? Oh, 100 percent. I mean, the biggest thing is, you know, I, I mean, I show up every day. You know, mm-hmm. you, you got to show up every day. And, you know, you, you know, I'm not afraid of the grind. I'm not afraid of the hard work. Um, you know, I'm not, there's, you know, you learn how to deal with a lot of pressure, you know, when you're, when you're playing at that level. Um, and, um, disappointment, you know, I was in a game full of disappointments, you know, there was, you were, you were disappointed every day because right. you were making outs all the time. Right. <laughs> so, right. you know, you're, um, you're, you're not winning every game. So you're, you're trying to, you're trying to, um, you know, stay, stay positive and look, always look for the good. And I'm an eternal optimist and, um, and I'm a very positive person. Hey, last question I got for you. And again, we're talking to Brian Kowitz, former star baseball player at Boys Latin, who was just last Saturday inducted before 80,000 fans at Clemson Stadium into the Clemson Athletic Hall of Fame. Brian, what are you, I, I had you on our TV show uh, which we did for ten and a half years, about four years ago, I think. You were doing some work with the baseball warehouse at that time. Yes, I. Yep. And yep. do you still do some teaching? 
I, I do a little bit. I'm, I'm on the uh, advisory board of the baseball warehouse, so I kind of help him with his planning and, um, you know, relationships and uh, marketing. And, you know, I do a little bit of that. Um, I'll help out a little bit um, when I can with some instruction and, you know, with the, with the camps and clinics. And, you know, we have – it's great. We have uh, Mike Bordick is, uh-huh. is uh, part of our team, too, and he helps out and does a lot of, uh, lot of instruction in clinics. Uh, Scott McGregor. Uh-huh. He's out there with us. Um, we have a we have some really uh, some some you know all ex professionals that that teach the kids and coach the kids. So it's a really nice uh, um, platform for these kids to get better. All right. Well, Brian, I appreciate you taking some time on the sidelines down there in Florida uh, while you watch your daughter play lacrosse. Uh, again, congratulations on a great honor, and uh, it's great to talk to you again. Uh, thank you, Stan. It was great to be on the show. I appreciate it. All right. Thanks, Brian Kowitz. Thank you. Um, that's a great story, uh, Brian Kowitz, and I'm glad I read it over there on Facebook. Uh, it's an interesting career, and, again, I looked at the numbers that he put up in the 10-game uh, cup of coffee he had in the big leagues, Kyle, and I just said, ah, he just, he just wasn't quite sure. good enough. But, you know, Major League Baseball, any of the professional sports, if if you're in perfect health, yeah. it's hard enough to do it. And you heard uh, the story there of his body betrayed him. That's all. I mean, it happens to a lot of really, really unbelievably talented baseball players who yeah. unfortunately never got a chance to make their name known in the Major League level. Yeah. Uh, and baseball, much, much different than the other sports because you do, you, you know, if you succeed three out of ten right. times, you're a 300 hitter. Right. Failure is uh, the norm. Know, failure is yep. the norm. No question about it. Let's tell you a little bit about uh, sliders. Um, One of my favorite places. I know. To grab it's a Baltimore's, bite to eat in Baltimore. It's Baltimore's favorite bar and favorite sports bar. It's just 771 feet from home plate. Sliders Bar and Grill is just steps from Camden Yards. It's the perfect sports bar for Ravens and Cap season. With all the games on dozens of TVs, daily specials include Mexican Monday, Wingding Wednesday, Bloody Brunch Sunday, and more. With different drink specials every day of the week. Join Sliders for the Away Ravens games, as well as the home game parties featuring Fancy Clancy Beer, as well as game day food and drink specials. And on a day like today, when the Caps are playing at 1230, all, all the better. Oh, yeah. Find out about all the parties and specials at slidersbaltimore.com. Sliders, one of Baltimore's original, continuously operating bars. Uh, and if you want to know what's going on this season in the high school football, check out the high school football program, uh, which looks into the High school football throughout the state of Maryland. Tune in to Press Box High School Football Show, and that is each week Mondays at 12.30 with Booker Corrigan and legendary former McDonough coach Dom D'Amico. The guys will discuss everything happening at both the private and public school levels every Monday at 12.30 p.m. Watch at Facebook.com slash Sports. Listen at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio. And one more thing I wanted to get is that the uh, batter round is presented by Mobile One. Mobile One, full synthetic motor oil, help extend, helps extend engine life. Visit your local Jiffy Lube service center and ask for Mobile One. And want to remind you that you're listening and watching the batter round, and we broadcast each and every week from the live casino hotel studios.
Check out Costa's Inn at 4100 North Point Boulevard. They're known far and wide for their great steamed crabs and crab cakes. And their nightly specials also include crab cake night on Monday, rib night on Tuesday, steak night on Wednesdays with a half-priced bottle of wine, and lobster night on Thursdays. Check out CostaZen.com to find out more. And the delicious crab cakes are shipped anywhere. KZ, Kenzales here. I'm back, and I am fulfilling all of your fantasies. Well, your fantasy football fantasies, anyway. I'm with you for the Press Box Fantasy Football Show every Thursday at 11.30 a.m. to help you set your lineups for all your fantasy matchups. Watch at Facebook.com slash Sports. Listen at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio. It's all brought to you by Wise Markets and Glory Days Grill. Join us for the Press Box Fantasy Football Show every Thursday morning at 11.30 a.m. Respect. It's more than a word. In the U.S. Army, it is one of our core values, earned through selfless service to our nation and making a difference both at home and abroad. On the Army team, respect is earned daily. And now, in addition to earning respect, you may earn up to $40,000 in bonuses if you qualify. To learn more, visit GoArmy.com bonus or call 1-800-USA-ARMY. Paid for by the U.S. Army. Baltimore's favorite bar is just 771 feet from home plate. Sliders Bar and Grill, just steps from Camden Yards, is the perfect sports bar for Ravens and Caps season with all of the games on dozens of TVs. Daily specials include Mexican Monday, Wing Ding Wednesday, Bloody Brunch Sunday, and more with different drink specials every day of the week. Join Sliders for the away Ravens games as well as the home game parties featuring Fancy Clancy Pilsner as well as game day food and drink specials. Find out about all of the parties and specials at slidersbaltimore.com sliders one of baltimore's original continuously operating bars the latest edition of press box is available now on the cover greg swatek dives into the 100th edition of a baltimore tradition the annual turkey bowl game between loyola and calvert hall plus bo smoka profiles ravens linebacker josh Bynes, who returned midway through the season after being entirely out of football and immediately helped fortify the ravens defense press box is available for free at over 500 area locations including 60 royal farm stores you can also find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the orioles ravens and terps at pressboxonline.com glenn clark and kyle ottenheimer here from glenn clark radio kyle you know i'm regularly asked by folks about how we get so many great guests on our show well i i work really hard to get some of the biggest names on with us i know you do and the world recognizes it but i want to challenge you to try to get some even bigger guests on the show moving forward okay who do you have in mind well nothing crazy like what about tim tebow oh. or, or how about leonardo dicaprio or, or lady gaga maybe barack obama uh, you know what I'll settle for Wilt Chamberlain. But I think he died. What? Yeah, like 20 years ago. So that's a maybe? Maybe Java Chamberlain. Glenn Clark Radio, Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. to noon at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio and Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports. No one wants to talk to Java Chamberlain. All right, back on the show on this Saturday morning, and uh, we've uh, talked to Craig Heist. We've talked to Brian Kowitz. We still have Timmy Wendell to talk about. He's the author of Down to the Last Pitch. It's now out on audio. It's the story of the 1991 World Series. Uh, Some say maybe the best World Series ever. It featured two teams that went from last place in 1990 to the World Series. Never been done before. And to the best of my knowledge, Bill, I don't think it's been done since. It hasn't. Uh, not with two teams in last place and then 
going to the World Series the next year. And that's the last time it was done. And Bill, it's it's really interesting coming off of a season where we didn't see a home team win any of its games in the World Series. That World Series went according to Hoyle with the Twins winning the first two games at home and the last two games at home and the Atlanta Braves sweeping the Twins in three games in Atlanta Fulton County College uh, Stadium. Yes, uh, and you know, as you look back at that at that game seven, yeah, that's a game that the Braves should have won. You know, if Lonnie Smith didn't make uh, that base running blunder, I mean, he easily should have scored. There's no question yep. in my mind. Yep. And um, I don't know what he was thinking. You know, to this day, he said he wasn't deep by Chuck Knobloch. Right. But he was. Yeah. He was. There's no question about it. You know what gets lost in the shuffle on that, and I'm not going to claim any great remembrance of it, but just looking it up today to interview uh, Timmy Wendell, uh, he hit three home runs in that series, Lonnie Smith. Yes, and uh, I'll tell you, though, um, Lonnie Smith was a clutch play. He wasn't bad. I mean, he had off the field problems, and uh, I think if he didn't have those problems, you know, he I think he would have had a great career. I mean, yeah. everywhere he went, he went to the World Series. Yeah, so he went. That's Pitts, amazing. Went in Pittsburgh. I think he went in St. Louis, uh, Atlanta. Uh, no, uh, it, it was actually yes, it was St. Louis and Philadelphia, um, Kansas, uh, Philadelphia, Kansas City. Yep, yep, yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you re- do you remember that series pretty vividly? I would say so. Yeah, yeah, and it's because there were so many incredible moments, like the Game Six. A home run by uh, Kirby Puckett off of Charlie Liebrand, you know. Yeah, I mean, uh, Kirby Puckett saved the, the day in game six uh, to tie the series. And, uh, you know, John Smoltz and Jack Morris had a great, great seventh game. And um, it's too bad, uh, you know, someone had to lose that game. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I was, you know, I'll be honest with you, I was rooting for the Braves. And... Uh, I thought they had the better team, but Minnesota won. Yep, they prevailed and won two World Series over four seasons, 87 and 91. A pretty remarkable little run there. But kind of like those Red Sox teams, they went from winning a World Series and then three years later they were in last place. Yeah, um, you know, you talk about uh, the Twins. I think uh, going those two World Series is the reason Curry Puckett is in the Hall of Fame because – the Twins won two World Series. I felt they had no business winning. Right. And uh, and I think Kirby Puckett was a big deal, even though his career was short. He he was he definitely deserved to be in the Hall of Fame for that. We're talking with Bill Latson from MLB.com. Uh, he's a very fine columnist for MLB.com. Um, since we last talked last week, uh, Ben Charrington got that Pittsburgh Pirates job. Are you hearing anything about who he is selecting for manager or who the leading candidates are, or is it still sort of a five-man run for that? It's still a five-man run, although I hear that Joey Cora could be going to the Mets as a bench coach. Really? Which is not a surprise. Yes, there's a uh, talk of that. So uh, we'll see what happens there. But obviously, uh, Ben Sherrington also said that he wasn't going to have a a big – you know, interview process because I guess uh, the Pirates already did that before he got there. So we'll see what happens. Bill, uh, the past 
10 days or so have been a pretty rough time for the Houston Astros. This story seems to really have a little bit of legs, almost like the impeachment hearings. Um, not as a, not as a high a threshold of importance, but uh, this cheating scandal um, that Mike Fires uh, first brought up to investigators, uh, supposedly they've interviewed about 20 members of the Houston Astros personnel, uh, both on the field and off the field, and it's I think the story that Mike Fires relayed and has been backed up with some video uh, has been pretty much corroborated. Well, again, I'm not going to pass judgment on the Astros right now. I just think we've got to wait and see what the commissioner does. I mean, at the owners' meeting recently, you know, he said, I'm not going to say anything until, uh, you know, the investigation is done. And, you know, uh, let's wait and see. You know, I would love to think that the Astros won 2017 fair and square. Right. I would like to think that. But, uh Again, you know, uh, you see what happened to you, Darvish. Although you, Darvish, said you know uh, it wouldn't have mattered because he he had a bad outing no matter what. Yeah, you, the, the so, other like, team, the other team still has to execute. I mean, but that's correct. But it is if they, you know, where I where I fall on this, you know, this situation, you know, the cheating and stealing of signs is to me all is fair in love and war if you are shrewd enough and savvy enough to pick up some things by by pick stealing quote unquote stealing signs but if you dedicate a camera that only your people can look at and start to use the electronics and the technology to do it isn't that a step too far bill well, you know, that's what the rules say. I yeah. mean, it is a step too far. But, uh, again, uh, I don't know, man. I mean, this is really the first time I ever heard stealing signs. Yeah. Could cause a fine and suspension and everything. And, you know, I mean, I can honestly say, I mean, I can go back to 2001 when, uh, in game six against the Yankees. The Diamondbacks stole a bunch of signs from Andy Pettit. They knew what was coming. If you remember, Andy Pettit was slaughtered that game. Yeah. Slaughtered. So, I mean, I don't know, man. I mean, I don't know, but It's hard for me to say give the trophy back to the Dodgers. You know, you talk right. about 2017. It's tough for me to say that. Yeah, I don't think it's, that will ultimately be what they say. I mean, I think, the, I think what the commissioner's tact here is is to make the punishment so severe uh, that you you would think more than once or twice about doing what, in other words, putting that much tech, technology at play in this situation. Well, I mean, I mean, this is, I mean, the Astros are not the first now. You, you know, uh, everyone talked about the Apple Watch. That was a big deal. Right. When I believe uh, the Yankees and Red Sox recently, like two years ago, yep. were, were involved some controversy over that, and you know, my reaction is, you know, you think sort of, you think sort of all fair, all is fair in love and war. Yes, I do. Uh, okay, I do. All right, that's certainly a, a point of view to have. Um, Bill, this this week we had a, uh, I thought a pretty shocking contract signing. 
the Chicago White Sox, both the team and the amount of dollars. I mean, I thought that Yasmani Grandel would, would do nicely. I don't think I thought he'd get $73 million over four. I thought he was more like a 45 over three. Uh, but, boy, he got $18-plus million a year for four years. Do you think he's worth that kind of money? Well, I'm going to be honest with you. You know, based on what I've seen mm-hmm. the last few years, even going back to the Dodgers, no. Yeah. I, I do not. But i got to hand it to him. He bet on, bet on himself. Yep. Decided to take that one-year deal with the Brewers. And then, you, you know, he had a – a decent year. He had a real good year. And uh, he got that four-year deal. And I think that's telling me also that the White Sox are willing to spend the money and willing to... They want to go to the playoffs now. Yeah, I think... I got got to tell you, they have the talent. Yeah, I think... They have the talent. I think Jerry Reinsdorf now has made that very clear. I guess guess he's in his 80s now, uh, in his early 80s, I'm guessing. And I think he wants to, to... to kind of go out, and I'm not talking about go out like he's going to pass away any moment, but I think he wants to be remembered for bringing that team to prominence once again. And uh, I don't think you make this signing unless you're intending to go out and sign a significant starting pitcher to go with uh, the youngsters there. Yeah, uh, you know, Giolito, he's he had a breakthrough year this year. And uh, I, I gotta tell you though, I think I agree. If they get their starting pitching and even some bullpen help, they could go. Um, they could go far in the playoffs. Now, let me tell you, I saw them play last year, and even though they finished under five hundred, right? I was impressed with what I saw. I really was, especially with their young hitters. And. Uh, you know, I, and I, I even uh, told the manager, hey, man, you guys are on your way. You know, uh, I think it's a matter of time now. Yeah, In- interesting. Uh, they've also got this new kid come. They had him and Eloy Jimenez, who was injured for part of last year. Uh, he he put together a nice rookie season. It wasn't a, like an incredible season, but I think it this, was a great season. I think I, I listen. Yeah, you're right. He. He got off to a slow start, no question. But then he really, uh, he really put it on. You know, he got it together by the second half, and before you knew it, he had thirty home runs. I yeah, mean, I mean, COVID seventy-seven runs. But still, I, I think uh, you know, I voted for him uh, second place for second place, right, for rookie of the year. So uh, you know, I'm sorry, I didn't, I didn't like John Means. The team lost so many games, right. And I thought uh, Eli Jimenez deserved my vote, so which was second place. Yeah, and you would think a guy with his talent, he struck out 134 times and walked only 30. I'll bet this year the strikeouts may go up another 20 or 30 because he'll play more, but I'll bet the walks start to look a little better too. I'll, I think he's a good enough hitter to start to show some discernment uh, as a hitter. Oh, no doubt about it. He is, I'm telling you, he is going to be a player. And uh, with him there, I expect the White Sox to be contending next year. I mean, depending on who they get uh, for the bad work. All right. Hey, the, uh, speaking of the White Sox, tell me what you know about the next great thing there, this Luis Robert. 
Well, I don't know much about him. I mean, I know that uh, that he is going to be uh, something special. I mean, uh, could he be, you know, uh, a major part of the team? I don't know yet. I mean, when I hear stuff like that, uh, Stan, I mean, yeah, I read the books. I read Baseball mm-hmm. America all the time. But I got to see it myself. I got to see, you know, uh, how great he could be. And, you know, this re- you know, over the years, I've seen, like, people brag about, for example, Jim Riggleman. But Jim Riggleman was with the Cardinals. Everyone kept saying, you know, he's this great manager. Then he goes to San Diego, and he has a tough time of it. And, and mostly with Chicago Cubs, too. But, you know, once I got to see him with the Nationals, you know, everything changed, everything changed for me with Riggleman because... I thought he was a good badger. I thought he was one of the building blocks of why uh, the Nationals started winning for the first time. So, I mean, when I hear uh, about prospects or managers being great before they even hit the field, you know, I got to see it myself before I judge. All right. Kyle's got a question for you. Sure. Bill, you're uh, uniquely positioned due to your, obviously, role with Major League Baseball and, of course, as a Yankees fan, to add some insight on your interpretation of this whole Jacoby Ellsbury situation yeah, going on there in, in New interesting York. Interesting story. Interesting story. Well, it, well yes, a question. Uh, first of all, I don't blame the Yankees. That's why I love the Yankees so much. I mean, because other teams would eat that money. Mm-hmm. They would try their best to get on the field. But the Yankees, you know, they say, hey, you know what? I don't even want him here. Right. And I don't. And now they say they don't want to pay him now. Right. Well, that's the so, that's the part of the story we're interested in. Do you think that they have any? Are they really trying to get out of the twenty six million, or do they think they can cut that with cutting a deal that maybe pays them seventeen or eighteen? Uh, well, uh, based on what I know, it seems like they don't want to pay. Nothing. A right. penny. Right. That's what they're saying right now. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I could see why they must have evidence of something he did, he wasn't supposed to do. So, uh, again, that's a wait-and-see type of thing. I mean, once they take him to arbitration, you know, we'll see what happens. Uh, Does obviously, that... we're going to hear a lot from the uh, Players Association. Sure. And... Uh, I think I'll play a big role. This we'll see what happens. We're talking with Bill Latson. Bill, we've only got a couple more minutes. Uh, really interesting there. What they're claiming is that he he sought treatment and without consulting with the Yankees for some injury. Uh, and there's something in the basic contract where you have to kind of coordinate any treatments and inform your your employer of what you're doing and who you're seeing. And apparently. Uh, they feel probably pretty strongly that Ellsbury didn't do that. Yeah, uh, but you know what? Though this guy, be, well, if he did this, yeah, it didn't work because he hasn't right. played right. since 2017. Right. So, uh, and you know, and think about well, you know, that was the year the Yankees almost went to the World Series, mm-hmm. and you know, and by the end of the season, he was a bench player. He didn't. He didn't have. He wasn't much of a factor. So, uh, I don't know, man. I mean, if the Yankees have the evidence, yeah. then, uh, you know, I say, yeah, don't pay it. 
Let me ask you a last question for you. So let's say whether they're successful or not in keeping from having to pay him the $26 million for the last year on that contract, it, it, does this adversely affect them in pursuit of other free agents, or is it such a odd occurrence that uh, a Garrett Cole or somebody else, uh, Rayu, wouldn't even say, ah, well, I'm not going to the Yankees because they did that to Jacoby Ellsbury? No, I mean, no, I, that's not going to matter. Yeah. That's not going to matter. And, and Jacoby Ellsbury had two more years yeah. to go. So, um, I, you know, I, I think it won't affect what Garrett Cole, Strasburg, or Rayu think. I think that will be that will not be a factor at all. And uh, I think they're both two, two separate entities, and, you know, Again, it's a wait and see, and you know you know this is not going to end, you know, like in a couple of weeks. Right. It's probably going to be you know uh, a couple of months before they settle on Elmsbury. So we'll see what happens. All right, Bill Latson, many thanks for being on with us today. Uh, we'll talk to you next week if that's okay. All right. That's okay. You have a all great right. Thanksgiving holiday. All right, my friend. You too. You and Take your wife. Take care, now. Okay. All right. We'll talk. Uh, we're going to make our connection momentarily with Timmy Wendell, uh, but I wanted to talk to you from the Live Casino Hotel Studios and let you know that there's still lots of great events coming up in the Live Event Center at Live Casino Hotel during the rest of 2019, including Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Michael Bolton on Saturday, November 30th. Doors open at 8.30. Tickets start at $45.50. Get your tickets now by going to livecasinohotel.com. And you are listening to the Bat Around on the live, from the Live Casino Hotel studio. Uh, and again, if you are watching us on Facebook Live, we apologize that I haven't been able to interact with you today because I left my laptop at home. But we ask you to like and share the program. Somebody who uh, I don't know if uh, I've talked to him since we've started the bat around. He's an old friend of mine when he used to write at USA Today uh, for a long, long time, and that's baseball writer extraordinaire. Now also a writing teacher at Johns Hopkins University, and that is Timmy Wendell. Timmy, how are you, my friend? Great, Stan. How you doing? It's, it's been good to a be long, on with it's, you. It's been a long, long time, my friend. <laughs> Too long, my friend. So, <laughs> so you're a, a Hopkins writing teacher. Are you in the same writing program that John Barth used to run there? Um, yeah, we've kind of branched out, but yeah, technically yes. And um, I mean, you're uh, not just you're not Go just ahead. teaching sports writing, right? You're teaching. No, you're teaching no, I'm writing. Teaching both novels and. Nonfiction. I do have some sports writers that come through, but I've had an incredible cast of uh, former students. I mean, Will Potter, who's now at University of Michigan, Amakatsu, who's done some amazing thriller novels, etc. So and they're the folks that keep me going. Yeah, and I guess that, that position, helping people bring out what they, the talent that they have and helping them hone that skill is especially uh, fulfilling for you. Oh, very much so. Uh, yeah. It's uh, kept me going in two ways. I'm so proud of them. I think at last count I've had 12, 13 students do novels. I've had 20-plus do nonfiction books, and just to see them excel is great. And the other thing is that 
it's probably a good thing, Stan. It keeps me honest. So yeah. I can't I can't say one thing in the classroom and then go out and cut corners with my stuff. So they, they keep me they keep me on the road. You know, as as my career evolved, I have to admit one of the things I take a lot of pride in is like a guy like an Andy Freed who used to do score updates mm-hmm. for me in the mid nineties. He's been a play-by-play voice of the Tampa Bay Rays for eight years. That's always what he wanted to do. I gave him an, an opening, so to speak, and he's kind of knocked the door down uh, by pursuing his dream, and he's at the top of his field, and it makes me feel good. Very much. Yeah. I think it keeps us going. It keeps us young, Stan. Hey, I, I always love to talk baseball with you, but in, in finding out about the release of the audio edition of Down to the Last Pitch – which is out there. I also came upon a book that you did that had nothing to do with sports, and that's Cancer Crossings. Could you tell me a little bit about the story? Because I know it's a very personal story that you told here with this book. Oh, I'd be happy to. And this was the first audio book I did, and I did it in a large part because it's such a personal story. And actually, it has several Baltimore connections. Dean Smith, who used to be at Johns Hopkins Press, uh, he ended up at Cornell. He's now at Duke. Uh, He's now at Duke. Yeah, yeah, Dean Smith at Duke. Something's wrong with Something's the world. Something's wrong with that. <laughs> That's very but funny. We were talking one time, and he reached out to me, and I've always wanted to do – I had a brother, you know, this is a long time ago, um, 50-some years ago, who had leukemia. Mm-hmm. And um, there was a number of doctors. This was in Buffalo, New York, where, where I grew up. And, there, and for a short amount of time, about three or four years, there was a number of doctors there. They called themselves the Cancer Cowboys. And this was back mid-60s, early 60s, when they weren't even supposed to take on, you know, things like childhood cancer uh-huh. or leukemia. They took childhood cancer from a 10% survival rate to its now 90% survival rate and just pushing back against the critics and such. And they kept my brother alive, Eric. Uh, he was only supposed to live about a year. Uh, he stayed alive for eight and a half, thanks to his incredible doctors. And so in talking with Dean and and some other editors said, well, let's see if we can go do this. And I had a daughter in medical school at that point, too, uh, in the area. And all of them said, you you should try doing some kind of, you know, book off this, a memoir. And I'd Mm -hmm. never done a memoir. And the race was on because all these guys were in their mid-80s, and I tracked them all down. And some of them, their stories are incredible. Donald Pinkle, for example, is the guy who starts up St. Jude in Memphis. James Holland was uh, just a legend at Mount Sinai for many years in New York. And and it's funny, Stan, you, you know this. You, you do one project and you think, well, that's going to be kind of it. Right. I now go around the country speaking to Leukemia and Lymphoma Society chapters because they're starting up a new effort to get 100% cure rate yeah. with childhood cancer. And, uh, I'm kind of, I guess the ghost of Christmas past. I tell them, well, we made it this far 50 years ago. Why don't we take it the rest of the way? And it's been very fulfilling. Well, that is an amazing story that those, that group of doctors took it from 10% survival rate to 90%. That's just incredible. And, and they did it stand with, um, such I didn't realize it at first when I started Cancer Crossings and started the conversations with these doctors, but the amount of resistance and opposition they faced was incredible. If you looked in the pediatric handbook at this point, we're talking mid-60s, it was only a page and a half 
under leukemia and it was pretty much make the comfort uh, patient as comfortable as possible. He or she probably won't be with us that much longer. Was and that was unacceptable to was these the, guys. Was the resistance to the fact that it would take research money from something else that was their baby at this point? Or Yeah. I mean, money's always a part of it. Yeah. And I think money was a huge part. And also, we get so stuck in our way sometimes. Um, nothing had worked yep. with, say, leukemia. So it was pretty much... Uh, you know, why waste our time? Why yeah. waste our money? Why waste our time on it? And these guys said that was unacceptable. And uh, and so much of what is a part of the success we've had fighting cancer these days goes back to them. The whole chemotherapy cocktail, uh-huh. so to speak. We're uh-huh. using multiple um, meds and, and some kind of sequence and such. These guys dream that up. And... Uh, and, you know, you look at the fine work going on at Johns Hopkins Medical, et cetera, a lot of that you can trace back to these half dozen doctors who, despite their peers saying you're crazy or yeah. we don't want any part of it, they, they went ahead. My wife and I have become very friendly with a woman. Her name is Josie Schaefer, who heads the cystic fibrosis in the state of Maryland, the cystic mm-hmm. fibrosis. And they apparently have made some amazing new breakthroughs in cystic fibrosis and I understand Duke has a trial going on on some treatment for ALS now that's showing some promise. So Yeah, and, and I think my hope is I've been touring the country a lot in the last year, Stan, you know, with that book. Yeah. I mean, it's winding down now, but I, and to, I don't want to crash too many sports metaphors and analogies, yeah. but one of the things that um, – I hope happens is there's incredible work going on all over the country. I hope that all these hospitals can kind of pull together and have a little bit more of a unified front. Yeah. I get a little concerned that um, everything's so siloed. You go to a yeah. Duke, yeah. you know, you yeah. go to a Roswell Park in Buffalo, you go anywhere, and they all kind of want to be number one. Well, they aren't all going to be number one if we're going to beat cancer. So, you know, some other people are going to have to be the support. I'll finish up with this on the medical aspect of our talk today. I think we saw all the movies, the dramas surrounding finding some type of cure for AIDS. And there were those silos where these people sort of let their ego of being the first and uh, first, you know, uh, kind of take over on on something that significant. It's kind of disappointing on one small level that way. Yeah, and, and I think that, as you point out, often the last hurdle. Yeah. You know, the, the money's flowing in. Some of the technical advances are amazing, especially when you look back at what the Cancer Cowboys were doing um, 50 years ago. But it, it is, it's almost a team effort. Can the team come together and really reach um, the ultimate goal, which By is curing cancer. Before we, we go from the ridiculous to the sublime of talking about cancer crossings and we go to talk baseball, cancer, <laughs> cro- cancer crossings is available in audiobooks? Yes, with me reading it, which okay. um, frankly planted the seed about me even doing more audiobooks because, frankly, we had to go back you know, it worked out pretty well, but at one point they said, we're going to have to go back and do pickups. I didn't even know what pickups meant right, when they were mentioning right, that. Right. I was like, what, we're going out, what are we doing? We're going to cru- and, uh, cruising at a bar. We're going out for right. pickups. Which bar are we going to? And, uh, but they said, no, this is, we're going to come back and fix the things you mispronounced and such. Okay. And I didn't realize until we went back in the studio 
uh, Stan, I had mispronounced almost every med, methadrexate, cytoxin, <laughs> dynamycin. I now wake up in the middle of the night saying those. And, and I must admit, once I was finished with that, I was like, geez, I probably just did the audio book for the, <laughs> most, the most problematic book of all that I've written. Now, double play ball, I can do that, you yeah, know? Yeah. <laughs> and there had okay, to be... Rip it, I can say, you know? So, so it, it, it seemed a, a lot easier after the, that. The amazing part is there's somebody listened to it and knew what the pr- correct pronunciations were. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think methadrexate, I had to say 50 or 60 times wow. in the pickups. And oh my gosh, I would, they would run the sentence, and then I, you know, you know, you know, yep. this part of the world much better than yep. me. And I'd have to say the word with kind of the right inflection, but pronounce <laughs> it correctly. And I got out of there that oh, night, God. and I just said, "Oh, I need a drink." <laughs> hey, hey uh, speaking of needing a drink, uh, if you were a baseball fan in 1991, uh, we saw something that hasn't happened, hadn't happened before, and it hasn't happened since. We're two last place teams the year before battled to uh, to the bitter end in what was arguably one of the greatest World Series of all time, uh, the 1991 series between the uh, Atlanta Braves and the Minnesota Twins. Very much. You had two worse the first, which had never been seen before, and we had lightning struck twice and with the Twins and the Braves. And, and it was such a... Um, that's the first World Series I ever covered. I had covered baseball, you know, I covered playoffs and such before, but it was memorable. You had five games decided by one run. Mm-hmm. You had four games decided in the last at bat, and you had three games, including the game seven, which is a showdown between Jack Morris and John Smoltz, going the extra innings at zero zero. And um, and and I was also very fortunate that Roger Angel from uh, New Yorker just happened to be the guy I was sitting next to for most of those games in the in the press box, in the auxiliary press box. And I still remember Roger at one point had to be in game six just looking at me and just saying, this is incredible. Yeah. This is unbelievable. And you're just going, yeah. Cause, and, then you, and then going back and doing down to the last pitch, both the book and then later the audio book, talking with guys like Morris and Terry Pendleton and, you know, Kevin Tappany, I mean, it could, you know, goes on and on just to hear them talk about what it was like being a player in, in game after game where like one mistake is going to be the crucial part. And uh, they still, I think, have nightmares about that a little bit. Well, I remember that series pretty well. Um, uh, you know, what's interesting to me is how many firsts baseball has. That was the first worst of first, and every home team won every home game in that yep. series. And we've just now, for the first time, had a World Series this past season where nobody won a home game. That's pretty remarkable, too. Yeah, and, um, yeah, in fact, in watching the recent, you know, Nats victory over Houston, I kept going, home team's got to win one of these games. (laughs) As you pointed out, it didn't happen at all. And and I think, you know, know, you're around players a lot, too, and, and they like to dismiss, I think, a lot of things that, maybe are important and one of them is home field advantage and both teams in the 1991 series with the twins and the braves i think had among the most riveting or marked home field advantages we've seen in a long long time Mm -hmm. i mean that old metrodome 
in Minneapolis. I, I believe I lost some hearing in my right ear from just how loud it was in that crazy place. And then, of course, down in Atlanta, this was the start of the Tomahawk Chop and all that that I still can't get out of my head sometimes. So, and and the athlete, you know, the players w- would say, you know, this did spur us on, and that's why I find it kind of remarkable. We just had a World Series where. Home field advantage didn't seem to mean much of anything. Was the '91 series? Did Ted Turner and was he married to Jane Fonda at that time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's and, pretty and amazing. Jane Fonda, despite her background and all, yeah, being you know, an activist, right. politics was doing the tomahawk chop in right. the stands, and just I go, this is this is strange. <laughs> You know, I was looking today just in prepping to, to get, get on with you and from refamiliarize myself with it. Lonnie Smith, who had that incredible base running blunder uh, in Game 7, uh, also hit three home runs in that World Series. You take that one play out, and, you know, fans remember where he should have scored on Terry Pendleton's double in the gap. Right. And, and, and in a game which is 0-0, and both pitchers, Smoltz and Morris pitching lights out, both bullpens ready to go. That arguably could have been the only run needed. Outside of that gas, he uh, he had a remarkable series, yeah, and um, you know did really really well. And and I think sometimes a lot was played up that you know the shortstop, second base, and knob block, and um, and uh, oh gosh, I'm drawing a Greg, blank. Greg Gagne, 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 yeah, yeah. Du- duped them out. But there was all kinds of fakery going on yeah. all over the field. I, I didn't realize till I was Dan Gladden, who was the left fielder for the Twins, talked a little bit about it, and then I looked at the footage. Dan Gladden did a great job of like looking initially out in left field that the ball, he was going to catch the ball. Uh-huh. He didn't move that much. Right. He just went back, put his glove up like he was going to catch it, and then Smith's all messed up. He stopped, and right, um, right. and then at that point, Gladden puts his glove down and runs to the wall and catches it off the wall. So, and, yeah, amazing, and, amazing stuff. And Gladden scored the uh, the game winning run, correct? That's correct. Gene and Larkin got the the base hit, or was yeah, it Gene Larkin, Larkin got yep. the base hit, and and this is where I find it interesting. Tom Kelly, the Twins manager, he loved his veterans, mm-hmm. and he put Larkin up there, one out. You know, they load the bases, but pretty much Gladden's the run that matters on third base. But I didn't realize, coming back and talking to these guys years later, Larkin's knee was in bad, bad shape. Never. If he'd hit the ball on the ground, easy double play. Yeah, but, never knew it. Never knew that. You know, yeah. one other player that wouldn't have stood out to me, but in looking quickly at the box scores, Rick Aguilera had two wins and two saves in that mm-hmm. series. That's pretty unusual. I, I doubt almost, that that's ever happened. No, I don't think that's ever. And he almost won Game Seven earlier because they no, I believe it was Game Six. Everything game was six, all mixed yeah. up and pitch, you know, pitch hitter. He got the pinch hit. Right. He almost drove in the winning run. <laughs> and just kind of stayed up in the air a little too much, and uh, I think it was Justice out in right field caught it. And uh, but Aguilera is like. You know, he's a very interesting guy because it was funny. It's, I love these books where I can go back in time and talk with these players 20, 30 years after it's happened. Summer of 68, which I did a lot with mm-hmm. uh, the Tigers and the Cardinals off the 68 World Series. Because it's almost, you, you know, they're kind of rediscovering their past, too. And it's yeah. funny, you bring up Aguilera's stat line, and then talking with Aguilera, we talking for a while, how the Bluey just kind of went, I had a real good series. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah no kidding. You had an awesome series. But 
he's not going to, you know, he still kind of locked in, okay, game five was this, game six was this, and all of a sudden he kind of is able to put his head up and look around and go, I did pretty good. And then, you know, it's funny to kind of bring that to somebody. We're talking with Timmy Wendell. Timmy is part of the writer's program at Johns Hopkins University. He's written many books on baseball, including the Summer 68 High Heat, The New Face of Baseball, which talked about the infusion of so much Latin talent into the big leagues. And this book, uh, which originally came out, what year did it, uh, Down to the Last Pitch come out in? Uh, down to the Last Pitch, I believe, came out in 2014. 14, we should have right. saved it for the anniversary. I, yep. I always mess up anniversaries. So, na- <laughs> so now this audio book is out and available, would make a great gift for a baseball fan out there. It's called Down to the Last Pitch. It's on audio books. And doesn't audio books, it looks like right now, has some kind of incredible deal that if you yeah. sign up, uh, you get your first one free. Yeah, very much. If you if you aren't, you know, on with Audible, uh, first of all, I'd recommend you to do it, especially if you're spending any time in the car. It's become a lifesaver for me. Um, but yeah, right now, if you um, there's there's a link you look at down to the last pitch, click on it, and you're in a sense getting on board with Audible and first book's free and frankly once you're on board they're going to give you a credit for a free book every month too so it's that uh, sounds good it's a lot of fun hey thanks for coming on and talking about such a personal memoir the cancer crossings i got one curveball i want to throw you though is because you are such a great observer of the game um your thoughts on this investigation into the houston astros and and the ethics of of trying to to not only cheat but use the technology to help cheat. Uh, if it's in fact true, what type of penalty do you think is appropriate? Mm, some draft picks, things like that. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm a little torn, Stan, because part of me is always thinking, well, what's the old adage? If you're not cheating, you're not trying. Yeah. But if, um, if you're not rubbing, it's, you're not racing and yeah, in auto racing. The, yeah. Yeah. You're, you're, you know, somehow you're, you're not, not in the fast lane, so to speak. But I, I'm, I'm stunned a little bit. Well, when the Nats won the World Series, I heard from uh, several people who I respect in the game of baseball who, who weren't connected with either club. Right. You know? um, but they were glad and, that Houston lost? Yeah. Yeah. And, and I was a little dumbfounded at first, and finally I asked one of them, why are you so worked up about this? I mean, mm-hmm. you, you had no skin in this game, so mm-hmm. to speak. And, and his response was, because those guys aren't doing it the right way. Yeah. And that's been the buzz for a long time. Yeah. And so, you know, um, I, I found it amazing they did not send any scouts, in a sense, to the NLCS and things yeah. like that. There seems to be an approach there that we know the numbers where our way is best, and it's rubbed a lot of people in baseball the wrong yeah, way. Yeah, I'm good friends with Hank Allen, who I'm sure you've cut, mm-hmm. you know crossed paths with uh, you know, the hurt that they cause, I'm not saying you don't have the right to, to hire and fire whoever you want, but doing it that year in 17, like they let them know that they were not going to be back in September of 17, that they mm-hmm. wouldn't be back as scouts. Seemed like a, just a terrible uh, way to handle that. To and, me. and the whole approach I find, I, I, I don't like tanking, yeah. especially if you're somewhat admitting it too. Yeah. Um, and I get, 
a little concerned now because we just we just had a season well with the Orioles, Tigers. I forgot who else had a terrible year. Yeah, Kansas, you know, Kansas City had a terrible yeah, year. Yeah, yeah, and and Miami. They, yeah, everybody seems to be embracing tanking. I don't think tanking is going to work every time, and so I kind of look back at the Astros, kind of being the poster child for that in some way. Certainly, it worked for them, but simply because it worked for them doesn't mean like four or five a half dozen clubs can embrace this and suddenly they're all going to be top of their division or something in a couple of years. And, and I think some fans are going to be really, really disappointed. You know, not to get too far afield on this thing, but the, the, the inference of the type of arrogance surrounding the Astros with that assistant general manager, mm-hmm. why he felt it was necessary in front of three female reporters one who had been critical of them signing, uh, trading for Osuna, uh, had, I mean, that, that kind of arrogance, it was really uh, very odd, very odd. Yeah, it's yeah. unfortunate. And it's unfortunate that's what the franchise, I think in many ways, at least the folks I talk to within baseball, is getting known for, yeah. and um, that's not good. Hey, Timmy, it's great to catch up with you. We'll do it again sometime, all right? Oh, that'd be awesome. Great to chat with you again, Stan. All Miss right. you, Ben. Again, the down to the last put, pitch. Down to the last pitch. It's now available in audiobooks. Thank you, Timmy Wendell. All right. Uh, we appreciate Timmy uh, joining us on the show, uh, on the bat around. It's been an interesting program today. Craig Heiss joined us. Brian Kowitz joined us. Bill Latson. And now finishing up with Timmy Wendell. But we're not finished yet. Are we going to go to Glenn now, or should we do the last break and just take it to the end? Uh, you're the host. You can tell me. I'll t- in that case, I'll tell you that I'm going to talk a little bit about the Costas Inn. Should I give Glenn a buzz? Yeah, give Glenn a buzz. Let me, let me read the Costas and the GBT, and then we'll grab uh, Glenn Clark. Uh, and remind you that Monday night, Project Game Day, will be happening at halftime of the Ravens-Rams game. And I'm guessing that will be like 9.45 to 10 o'clock-ish in that, in that ballpark. Uh, Ravens on Monday night football from the L.A. Coliseum. Uh, Ravens at Rams. And then after the game, which the game will probably end around 11.30, 11.45, uh, you can do it uh, and check in with um, – we'll find out from Glenn who his guest uh, co-host will be. But that's uh, some really good stuff with Project Game Day. Costas Inn, 4100 North Point Boulevard is the place. Uh, special place. Monday night is crab cake night. Tuesday night is rib night. Wednesday night is steak night paired with ha- half-price bottles of wine. Thursday night is lobster night. Friday night, a whole host of specials. Again, 4100 North Point Boulevard. It's a great, great place, the Costas Inn. And if you are interested in getting some fresh steamed crabs, give them a call at 410-477-1975 to reserve your crabs. All right, joining us right now is the host of the Glenn Clark Radio Program each and every day, weekday, Monday through Friday. He also does Project Game Day. And, Glenn, uh, Monday night, who is your uh, co-host going to be after the game? Uh, it's a good stand. It's a it's a pleasure. I've been a long time listener, first time caller. Um, I got the, our buddy Eric Arditi from Barstool Sports will be hanging out with us late night on Monday night for a show that'll probably start somewhere around midnight. Yep. 
after the uh, the Ravens game. So happy to have Eric stop by. Love that guy, and it uh, brings a lot of uh, you know more of a neutral perspective. He's not a lifelong Ravens fan, so I like that about him. Hey, the reason I wanted to grab you, and again, Project Game Day, Monday night at halftime and after the final whistle blows, Glenn Clark and Eric Arditi from Barstool Sports. Uh, Glenn, I wanted to grab you real quick. There wasn't a, uh, an incredible amount of publicity surrounding this game, but you do a lot of Stevenson Athletic uh, uh, football, basketball, all kinds of sports for Stevenson University. They're hosting a home game today. They are. They're hosting a Centennial Mac Bowl Series game. So Steven play, Stevenson plays in the Mac. Johns Hopkins plays in the Centennial Conference. And um, both teams did not make it to the NCAA playoffs they have in recent years. And so uh, the way that this bowl series works out is that they match up teams that came up a little bit short. Both teams are very good this season. Both teams just came up a little bit short against each other and so just sort of serendipitous the way that it worked out that you have two local schools that are getting together today in owings mills one o'clock kickoff here at mustang stadium for this uh, bowl game to uh, to end up end the football season between stevenson and johns hopkins two really good programs uh you know a lot of the storylines greg Kamara in his first year after replacing the uh, the late legend jim margraff at johns hopkins ed hoddle what a remarkable job he's done here at stevenson with a program that didn't exist just a decade ago yep. and has been you know a winning program year in and year out uh these two teams are actually going to square off against each other in the season opener next year they're going to play for the first time in a regular season game so uh kind of a wild thing to have it play out this way that they're getting together today all right sounds good the game time is one o'clock i'm going to be trying to get out there in time i understand the parking's going to be a little tricky out there because both schools uh, have their their share of fans yeah, it's good to already. It's the parking lot an hour before kickoff is already filling up. I mean, they're they're doing everything they can to open up more spots because it's going to be a great crowd here today. All right. Cold, but it's going to be a fun day. And is the game sold out, or if somebody lives in the Owings Mills, Reisterstown, Pikesville area, and they want or or Charles Village, and they want to see their favorite football team play, can they still get tickets? Do you know? Not sold out yet. They didn't do advanced tickets. Only tickets at the gates. So not sold out yet. Just get over here and enjoy a great day of football. All right, sounds good. Good luck with the broadcast, and we'll see you back in studio. And good luck on your picks this week. You're yeah, on a roll. Well, You're on a roll. Yeah. Three and zero yeah. last week. Appreciate it, bud. All I right, talk to it. you soon. All right, there's Glenn Clark. Uh, he's got a lot of prep work to do to get ready for that game, which will be taking place uh, a lot of one o'clock today. One o'clock today. I'm going to be trying to make it. I, I I've got one caveat though. Uh, I hurt okay. my ankle. Ooh. I was at patient first last night. Uh, it's not broken. Well, I don't have any breaks in my foot or ankle. It's all clear. You're still you're still but potentially I'm active Monday. I'm I'm potentially you're not, you're questionable. Active. I'm I'm very questionable. You're questionable. I'm questionable every day now. <laughs> but but the problem with me is if I pull up there yeah. and I got to park like, walk I, like I, I usually don't mind walking. You know, but this but is a unique circumstance. Unique circumstance. Maybe you could follow me out I'll there. I'll just carry you up to the field. Follow me out there, and I'll park my car like. Uh, well, no, that wouldn't help me after the game. You then just, you could double I'll back give you after a the game. Right, it's yeah. fine. All right, we'll make we'll make it work. Um, we've had a, a very entertaining show today. Indeed, uh, a little bit different guest uh, in uh, Brian Kowitz, who was inducted into the Clemson Hall of Fame last Saturday before eighty thousand. Fans, I know that was a very special moment for him. 
and talking about his son, Corey, who yep. is a, a player, and his daughter, who is a lacrosse player, apparently. Athletic family, right? It sounds like an athletic family. I know they didn't get the genes from him. It must be <laughs> uh, Brian's wife uh, who has the, the athletic genetic. <laughs> Just kidding, Brian. Just kidding. And then talking to Timmy Wendell, and I didn't really expect to get so deep in the uh, – uh, not the weeds, but so deep into sure. talking about that book that he wrote, which I'd never heard of until reading about it the other day, Cancer Crossings. Sounds like a fascinating book. Indeed. Um, so we've had a good good show today. Absolutely. Good show today. Uh, Orioles this week, uh, Kyle, uh, made an interesting hire. They hired uh, the, the highest-ranked female in the organization's history, Eve Rosenbaum. Nice Jewish girl, yeah. Uh, but she's going to partake in uh, analytics and also an area that I think probably sports, professional sports teams are going to be looking at is new trends in the game. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, uh, well, that's look if she knows what she's doing, then by all means, that's yeah. no no gender discrimination absolutely should be involved in this in the baseball you know, world. She, if you she, know baseball, let her let her be involved. She comes from the Astros. I wonder if one of those trends yeah, will be right? banging on the trash can. Maybe she has a good in with the percussionist community. Right. You know what would be interesting though is if the Orioles set up a drum yeah. in that runway. Just happen to have and one. just you know if they set it up, they're not stealing signs. They're just yeah, pretending. Just fun. They're just. Yeah. Banging, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I don't see why not. Yeah. Now, we'll be anxious to meet Eve Rosenbaum uh, in the days and weeks ahead. Uh, and the Orioles are readying themselves for uh, uh, the winter baseball meetings this year, which will be held in San Diego, California. Uh, and uh, it's interesting. I think the Orioles are going to make a couple deals. Mm-hmm. I think uh, VR and Givens are really going to be shopped hard, and they may be they may be packaged, packaged to either together or with some other sure. prospects. Um, and you look at some teams. I mean, I look at the Philadelphia Phillies are a team, and the Cubs apparently are interested in looking at second base help. I mean, Jonathan VR has know, his skills. He's got a skill set. I don't think yeah. he's. I don't think he's a hundred and sixty-two no. game guy. No. I think he's more like a hundred and forty games. Yeah. But he does have a unique skill set. And can do some things uh, to help you win baseball games. Indeed. There's really no question about that. All right. We'll take a well, break. Yeah, let's take uh, a break, and let me get uh, these last couple messages in from my end. There are a lot of great events coming up in the Live Event Center at Live Casino Hotel during the rest of 2019, and that includes Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Michael Bolton on Saturday, November 30th. The doors open at three at eight thirty, excuse me, not at three thirty, eight thirty. Tickets start at forty five dollars and fifty cents. Get your tickets now by going to livecasinohotel.com. By the way, mention I have to mention they just had a media event the other day. Uh, their their auditorium there is is complete. Awesome. Yeah. Looking forward to checking so, that out. Yeah, I understand. Uh, I know the acoustics are phenomenal there, so that's something to uh, take a look at. All right, yeah. one more commercial I've got to get in, and it's to welcome back and welcome in uh, a friend of mine and a great company, and that's GBT, Glen Burnie Transmissions. That's right. If you uh, suspect that you've got a transmission problem, 
GBT can save you hundreds of dollars over taking it to the dealers for repair. Make an appointment, and then they'll, uh, they, uh, they offer estimates and free diagnostic. Call GBT toll-free at 855-728-1841. Their mission is simple, to provide excellent service at a reasonable price. If you have any questions about the level of service, go to their website at gbtonline.com to check out the number of five-star reviews. Let my friend, Mark Schwartzman and his GBT team, they've only been there in the heart of Glen Burnie for 60 years, take the troubles out of transmission troubles. Call them today, toll-free, at 855-728-1841. Pizza Blitz, the favorite pizza place of offensive lineman Bradley Bozeman and his wife Nikki invites you to try all of their Italian specialties. Pizza Blitz makes their entire menu with classic Italian family recipes. The dough and everything else is made fresh every day. Pizza Blitz, located in Quarry Lake, is the perfect family stop for great pizza as well as incredible wings, subs, and salads. You can even BYOB. Pizza Blitz is located at 2622 Quarry Lake Drive, just inside the Beltway. See the full menu at pizzablitzquarrylake.com. Pressbox's Project Game Day is back as we'll be with you to react immediately during and after every Baltimore football game this season. Glenn Clark is with you at halftime with various guests joining him the moment the game wraps up, including the NFL chick Sarita Hubbard, Pressbox's Ken Zalis, and Eric Arditi from Barstool Sports. Pressbox's Project Game Day is made possible by great partners. Costas in Wise Markets, Glen Burnie Transmissions, Glory Days Grill, and the U.S. Army. Like Pressbox on Facebook at facebook.com slash Sports And watch Project Game Day there every game day this season. Okay, I'm getting an Italian cold cut with oil and vinegar. Turkey and Swiss with extra mayo for me. And I want a ham and cheese with everything. Before we go to the game, we go to Royal Farms. It's not football without a Royal Farms sub. At Royal Farms, it's all fresh. And delicious. In this town, you don't tailgate with a hoagie. You tailgate with a Royal Farms sub and world-famous chicken. Royal Farms. Real fresh. Real fast. Real Baltimore. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Greg Swatek dives into the 100th edition of a Baltimore tradition, the annual Turkey Bowl game between Loyola and Calvert Hall. Plus, Bo Smoka profiles Ravens linebacker Josh Bynes, who returned midway through the season after being entirely out of football and immediately helped fortify the Ravens' defense. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. You can also find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square offers a better way to tailgate with football and nuggets. You can now pick up a 30-count Chick-fil-A nugget in a football-shaped container, and if it would be helpful, Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square can half-cook it, leaving you the opportunity to heat it the rest of the way just in time for your party. And now Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square offers their three-cheese mac and cheese, cheddar, parmesan, and romano combined in this classic side, baked fresh in the restaurant. Download the Chick-fil-A app, place your order, and pile up Chick-fil-A bonus points good for free food. Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square, 5198 Campbell Boulevard. Call Steve if you'd like your party catered by Chick-fil-A. 410-931-0031. Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square. Respect. 
It's more than a word. In the U.S. Army, it is one of our core values, earned through selfless service to our nation and making a difference both at home and abroad. On the Army team, respect is earned daily. And now, in addition to earning respect, you may earn up to $40,000 in bonuses if you qualify. To learn more, visit GoArmy.com bonus or call 1-800-USA-ARMY. Paid for by the U.S. Army. And we are back to close up shop for a Saturday morning. Uh, this will be our last opportunity, or at least mine, on the bat round, specifically to wish you all a happy uh, Thanksgiving holiday. Kyle, were you doing anything exciting for Thanksgiving? Well, my family and I go up to uh, Lancaster, Pennsylvania every year to link up with uh, some family that we know and love and uh, you know, have a nice relaxing afternoon of football and then eventually a nice filling meal what uh, how off. long does it take to get up to lancaster about two hours it's about an hour and a half hour and a half yeah nothing okay. too bad all right well wish you a happy that holiday uh we're going down to uh, potomac cool uh, my wife's my wife's former boss's son lives down in potomac they inv- they'd been inviting us for years but we always had sort right. of a familial obligation that ended when my mother-in-law passed away uh so last year we we didn't feel like going sure. you know to new york and this offer had been out there for a long while That's so right. we took it and they they wanted us back believe it or not <laughs> they'll have you again so they'll have us again that's awesome uh that sounds good i'll see you tuesday morning uh, with the uh five words or less yes most we're likely. probably looking at about 11 10 10 30 ish 10 yeah 10 30 probably okay and i will go first this yep. time yeah, we'll see we'll see we'll see we'll see All right. Hey, thanks for tuning in again. At the end of the show, it's not too late to like and share the program. We really appreciate it. Uh, You can also listen to it on the archives by going to pressboxonline.com slash radio. Have a great week ahead and enjoy that Thanksgiving.